we should send our best. But we have to recognize that the 1040 window, India, China, the Middle East, North Africa, the Arab world, Saudi Arabia, all the places we want to send people are now sending their best to us. You are listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javed, a podcast that presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Here is your host. Hello and welcome back to Our Urban Voices. I'm your host, Dr. Alphonse Javed. Today, I'm joined by Bud Houston, representing the website resource, UPG North America, which highlights the unreached people group that now call North America home. Our topic today focuses on unreached people group and diaspora populations. Bud is the husband of Jessica and father of five. He serves in Dallas-Fort Worth area, engaging the unreached diaspora as Global Gates hub leader. He's also the director of research for UPG North America. Thank you for joining us today, Bud. It's uh, so good to be with you, Dr. Alphonse, and to be with your listeners today. Thank you. So before we get started, please tell us very briefly about your family. I believe family is so important because it helps us to humanize us as persons, and I believe your audience will connect with you when they hear a little more about your family uh, background. So please share a little bit about your family. Yeah, thanks for, for asking that. My, my family of origin, I don't come from a Christian background. My, my parents would probably be considered agnostic. I grew up in Tennessee, so I came to faith as an adult at age 26. And so now fast forward what my family looks like. Uh, you mentioned uh, Jessica, my wife. We've been married uh, for 18 years now. And uh, uh, let's see here, five kids. My oldest is 14, uh, 12, 8 five and three. So a full, a full house. And uh, as you mentioned in the Dallas Fort Worth area, and just a little, little fun fact about a large family. Uh, if you don't have a large family, you may not understand this, but if you do, uh, our family of seven lived in a camper, like a travel trailer for wow. nine months during COVID. Wow. Wow. I totally understand. And my, uh, you know, listeners, they know that I got four children and you got man, five. Forget about it. I. It's amazing, um, it, it, but God bless you. Um, so with that, let me also ask you about your background. What led you, but this is about your, about your calling, about your uh, ministry. So what led to your current roles working with the Unreached People Group? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting story I love to tell. Uh, as I mentioned, I came to faith as an adult at age 26, and, and the gospel and the Bible was just so real to me. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to obey Jesus. And so from, from being a brand new believer, the Lord just impressed on, on me that uh, this, this call to missions. And now that I look back, I almost feel like it's like the call that I think every believer should have. It's just who, who is going to say yes to that and how that was expressed. I remember going to my pastor after being a believer uh, about a year and the Lord had given me uh, I don't know exactly how to define it, a, a vision, a dream. Uh, I don't know how all the logistics worked out, but it was clear what the Lord was showing me and that my, my role in the kingdom was to come alongside same culture and close culture believers and help them reach unreached people groups. And I didn't have good missiology then. 
So you could say things like helping, you know, close culture and unreached people groups. But all that I could really see was, uh, you know, people in the 1040 window. I didn't even have that language. It was like Southeast Asia was what the Lord put in my mind was, you know, I'm six foot three and me going into a Southeastern Asian country and sharing the gospel is probably not the most strategic thing. But I said, but what if there were some believers who who are from that region who spoke that language and what what would it take to encourage and equip them uh to see the gospel go among their people amen could you define what an unreached because you've been using and i introduced you uh as a, a lead on that area could you define what an unreached people group is as well as what diaspora means sure so unreached people group is really two terms so you have people group and then you have the unreached aspect. So I want to talk about the, the people group section first, because the unreached part doesn't make sense if you don't have that classification. So uh, a people group is like uh, an ethno-linguistic group. So that's, again, two words you have to define. Ethno is like ethnicity. Linguistic is language. So a people group, at its most simplest term, is a group of people that have a common language and cultural identity. So then if we think about that in a missions context for like strategy purposes, a people group is the largest group that the gospel can spread without encountering barriers of understanding or acceptance. Mm -hmm. uh, another way of thinking of a people group is a people group use terms like we and us and they or them. So if they're talking about like, we are doing this but they are doing that, that, that kind of gives a little bit of a picture of a people group. So ultimately, you know, researchers want, want to define people groups, but all we can do is observe what the group has already defined itself to be, right? So like an outsider doesn't define it. It's the insiders, like who's us, who's we, who's they. And then I would say the final thing on a people group, it's just helpful to see because we're going to be talking about the diaspora and I'll define that term in just a second. But it the, the identities begin to get hybridized. So the question in the diaspora I like to ask is, who, who are they marrying? Who, who is it acceptable to marry? Is it, is it acceptable to marry someone outside of your people group? And when that becomes the case, the people group boundaries get really, really fuzzy because the, the identity really gets um, shifted a lot. So then moving on to the term unreached, Unreached is, is something that's been, been defined by many missiologists and where we land as UPG North America is we put numbers to it. So it's, it's less than 5% uh, Christian adherence. So that would include kind of uh, Catholicism or Orthodox Christianity and less than 2% evangelical. So I understand people want to give definitions and numbers, but in reality, what that does is sometimes it creates like a switch. Um, oh, they're over 2%. They're no longer unreached. I don't know that that's the best metric to, to de determine that because you just want to see a, a sustainable, healthy gospel presence. But for logistical purposes, that, that's the numbers that people have landed on. And I, I for the most part, agree with that. Um, and then lastly, you ask about diaspora. Diaspora is really just any people group that are living outside of their uh, ancestral or traditional homeland. 
So oftentimes people think of diaspora like refugees, asylum seekers. But if you really look at the, the purity of the definition, uh, ultimately, if you think of even like Native Americans, mm -hmm. um, Native Americans in the history of the United States were forcibly moved outside of their ancestral homeland. So even they are diaspora people, mm -hmm. uh, you know, centuries removed. But whenever you think of its purest sense, it's someone who's moved out of their context. And then that, that also includes internally displaced people. So this doesn't apply necessarily um, to the majority of our conversation, but there are people inside of a country that are displaced from their homeland. So for example, in, in Bangladesh, there is a, there, there's a, a number of different tribal people that are not the majority people. They're not Bengali. But what's mm -hmm. happened over centuries is the Bengalis have forced them to move to different parts. Even though they're still in their country, they're not in their, their native homeland. Yeah. So what are the unique challenges facing diaspora population? So diaspora in specifically in the West and North America and Europe, it, it's so varied to answer that in one question. So I like to think of it like through two, two categories. So typically diaspora people are either pushed or they're pulled. So a push would be, uh, you know, recently in the last couple of years, we've seen the, the crisis in Afghanistan, the fall of Kabul. Afghan refugees who came in the last couple of years, their primary um, category was, was pushed. They were pushed out of their home country because they, they feared their safety. Uh, oftentimes, asylum seekers, they're fearing safety because of ethnicity or religion. Now, the needs among people who have that, that type of background are very, very humanitarian. They, whenever they first arrive, they need a place to live. Right. They need furniture. They need food. Oftentimes, they don't speak English. Um, and if they're in a community where there's not a large population, they, they really have to have that English language uh, to survive and thrive. So you have those types of needs. And that's typically what people think about whenever we talk about needs among the diaspora is the refugee, the asylum seeker. But there's a, a totally another category of diaspora in the West. And that is people who are coming because of a pull. It's not mm -hmm. that they're being pushed out of their country, but there's something, for example, in the United States or Canada that they want. Oftentimes, it's one of two things. It's either education or money. They say, oh, I can go to the United States and I can get an education. So then they come as international students. Their needs are totally different. What they need is not English. They don't typically need your food because their way is being paid for. What they need is relationships. There's so many international students who come to the United States who's never been inside the home of a Christian. And they're coming from places like China, India, Saudi Arabia, places that were sending missionaries. Another category would be like um, professionals. Either they're coming on a short-term work visa, like an H-1B visa, or they're coming with a green card and establishing citizenship and working in really needed fields that we need, like IT and healthcare. Again, those people make more money than probably many of our listeners. And so from a material perspective, there's, there's not a need. What they need is relationship. And the reason why I say that is because the ultimate need of both categories of people is the gospel. 
And we know that the gospel flows best through relationships. And so I would say that is the greatest need of a diaspora, of the diaspora population in the United States or Canada or Western Europe, is they need relationships with born-again believers who are willing to share the gospel with them and then do ministry. And, and my friend, uh, Dr. David Garrison, I, I remember him saying this. He says, ministry is answering the prayers of lost people. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we want to, we want, what, what is their need? We, we have to have a relationship to truly know that where we want to meet the needs, but we want to do it clearly and in, in articulating the gospel as well. Cause we know that's their, their deepest rooted need is forgiveness of sins and a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Yeah. Amen. So how does the then UPG North America reach out to the diaspora? Can you tell us about the UPG's virtual prayer walks? Yeah, so UPG North America is, is a resource that was started just a couple of years ago. Um, it's, it's for churches and organizations. So we want to support them as they go to the unreach. So mm-hmm. there's a couple ways that we do that, and I'll get to the prayer walk. But the first one is to identify and highlight who are the unreached in your city. Because if you don't know, you don't, you don't know where to begin. Uh, one of the guys that was really a thought leader in UPG conversations was a guy named Ralph Winter. Um, Back in 1977, he really launched the idea into mainstream. Dr. Winter liked the term hidden peoples for unreached people groups because they were hidden in the country. So if you think of the country of Nigeria, 70 years ago, you know, there were churches in Nigeria and most mission boards would say Nigeria was reached. Well, there were these hidden pockets of people. I think the exact same thing is happening in our urban cities today, that if you don't know who are the unreached people groups and you don't know where they're at, you're totally hidden. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so that's the first step is helping identify them and then then helping the body of Christ see them. So we'll have lots of images and maps because, you know, the saying goes, seeing is believing. I can tell you that there's, you know, 100,000 plus Pakistanis in New York City. But until you go and see them, you have probably a little hesitancy in believing that. Mm-hmm. Third, we want to mobilize prayer for them. So this is where the virtual prayer walk comes in. So the virtual prayer walk allows you from your computer to pray on site with insight among UPG communities. So the technology we use is Google Earth. So if you've ever used Street View on Google Earth, we put together these points of interest or points of engagement for the people group. And you can see where they go to worship, you know, to a mosque, to a Buddhist wat, to a Hindu temple. You can see those places. And then most of those places of worship have 20 images loaded to Google. You can actually go inside the mosque, inside the temple, and look through the pictures. What happens with the pictures is inevitably you see people, and you can be praying for people not by name, but by face. And then so you're going to the mosque, you're going to their markets, you're going to their restaurant, maybe you're going to a barber shop, all virtually. And then if you're in that city, you can take those points of interest and actually prayer walk in person. So the virtual prayer walk, we have over 100 virtual prayer walks uh, created so far. Uh, We have about another 200 virtual prayer walks to create. Mm -hmm. And... uh, Basically, it's it's a process. If you are in a city and you know where some points of engagement are, that's our biggest um, bottleneck in creating these is doing the research and saying, if if I was uh, Gujarati in Edison, New Jersey, where where am I going? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And so it's like that sort of information that feeds back into. So there's several churches, individuals, and organizations that feed data research into UPG North America because we're organizational neutral. So that's that's the prayer walk. And then lastly, uh, really our desire, our heart is we want to see more uh, equipped and encouraged cross-cultural workers engaging the unreached people groups in North America. Mm -hmm. So we want to see every single one prayed for and engaged with the gospel. And so we do that gospel piece by providing gospel resources for a variety of languages. So like um, Iraqi Arab people group, we want to give gospel resources in that Iraqi Arab dialect. You know, it'll be videos, it'll be print materials, uh, apps, things like that. We want to link the churches, link the missions organizations to those and say, here's a way that you can begin to engage. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, this is almost a, a by accident, UPG North America has somewhat come become a, a networking hub. So people will go to the website and they'll go to the contact form and they'll type in, hey, I'm interested in reaching this people in this city. And we have networked and we say, oh, I know someone in that city who's working with a different people group. Let me mm -hmm. put you in touch with them. Excellent. And so we do it in a very secure way. So we're not like putting people's information out, but we've kind of become right. a little bit of a, a gateway in connecting people as well. Yeah. You also have started a podcast called Let's Talk Diaspora. Why did you start this? Yeah, that's, that's a great question because... Uh, you, you know this, I didn't know how much work goes into a podcast, right? It's, it's a lot of work. And so the reason why we did it is we felt like this conversation related around reaching the unreached in the diaspora in global cities to see the ends of the earth uh, reached. It's a conversation that's not habit happening frequently enough. Right, and right. so really our, our focus is to, to elevate the knowledge of who God has brought here and, and I, I believe according to scripture, it's God who has brought them here and the opportunity that he's given to the church in North America specifically mm -hmm. to reach out. So one, it's a vision cast. We've already recorded all of the first season. The second season is going to start thinking about strategy. Like how can a church or an individual or a team begin to, to strategically think and not just, uh, you know, throw stuff against the wall for lack of a better analogy. Mm -hmm. And then as that progresses, we're going to get very practical. And really the hope is, is to walk people through a process of getting a heart for reaching the diaspora, begin engaging the diaspora, ultimately to the point where we're then training the diaspora to reach out to their own people and across the sea through technology, WhatsApp, Facebook, or even going and moving back. Wow. While praying for that, uh, I think uh, we, we can create uh, more resources. Definitely, we can create more resources because there is huge demand. A lot of people have no idea. Um, you know, I've, I've been in mission field. I was in the mission field for a very long time. So I understand um, these, these issues and what needs to be done. But most of the Christians are completely uh, isolated from this information. So they're creating podcast or um, creating these virtual tours um, is the hearing and seeing that allows people to uh, connect with people. Um, if they can't be in person somewhere, these are the simple things that stimulate their interest. So why should and how can an urban church reach out to unreached people groups that may be in its uh, areas? Yeah, so 
specifically the the urban the urban church if we think of urbanization and globalization that that is a phenomenon that that we we have to believe that god is doing it like mm-hmm. we could look at it and say there's a lot of negativity that that is the result of that um but we have to believe that god is doing it on purpose and he's doing it for a purpose and if i think what is the purpose why would god god be doing this i think uh there's a passage in Acts 17 that that comes to mind i'm just just paraphrasing but it says that that god has established the times and boundaries that people may live so that we're like well god why did you do that and it says paul says so that they may seek him and so that some may find him mm-hmm. many of your listeners are probably familiar with the uh, the Bible study by uh, the Blackabees experiencing God. And the, the primary emphasis of that book, if you're not familiar with it, or that study is behind where God's at work and join him like that. That is their, that is their model of ministry. And I believe there's truth in that. As I've studied the scriptures, I, I've, I want to add another phrase to that idea is if you want to see where God is at work, look for people on the move. All throughout scripture, you see people on the move that is because of what God is doing, and you always see grace and mercy in that. So I'll just give one one quick example that you probably don't don't think of, but with Cain and Abel, right? Uh, Cain kills Abel. Cain is getting cast out, and he says, oh, they're like, they're going to kill me. He, he is forced in the diaspora, but no, God shows his grace. Even to a murderer, he puts a mark on his forehead and says, no, you will be protected. They will not touch you. The, the example of Ruth, I said just one, but I've, I've got to share another one. The example of Ruth, uh, you know, they, they go to, to Moab because of something that's bad, right? There's a famine. Ruth's uh, or um, Naomi's kids get married. One of them's named Ruth. The husband dies. Both of her sons die. And then now they're going back. But ultimately, this diaspora movement is God working ultimately so Ruth can find her kinsman redeemer, Boaz. And then we see in the family line of Jesus, Ruth to Jesse to King David. So if you want to see where God's at work, find people on the move. And if you're in an urban city, people are on the move. We just have to find ways to engage them. So how, what does that, what does that look like? I just want to say here, here's four ways, four simple ways. One, it starts with, you have to know who's in your city. So I talked Mm -hmm. about the hidden peoples. Who are the people hidden in your neighborhood, on your block? Uh, Second, you, maybe you get a list or it's just clear of one, one specific segment, pray and ask God who and how you should focus. Because the, the body of Christ is a beautiful mosaic. It's, it's diverse, and not everyone needs to do the exact same thing. So pray and ask for God's wisdom. What, what should we focus on and who should we focus on? Once the Lord gives you clarity in that three, I think you should mobilize prayer for them inside your church and outside of your church. If you're part of a denomination, if you're part of a network of churches, start mobilizing prayer for them. Take prayer walks, virtual prayer walks, in-person prayer walks. And then start talking about them regularly to your church. You mm-hmm. want your church's heart to beat for these people. And then lastly, fourth, find points of engagement. Where can I meet them? Where can I sit down, have coffee? Maybe they drink tea. Maybe they play dominoes. Where can I start to meet them and engage them in sharing the gospel? And I, I would say that's where we want to get started. Is I think that's a wise way. But we want to make sure that we're, we're, we're driven by the gospel 
that we want to speak the gospel into their lives, but we want to do it in a meaningful way that they understand. We want to speak to be understood. Right. Right. Wow. Well, before we close out today's episode, is there anything else you would like to add? Yeah, I I would just say that, you know, the church pastor, if you're listening, mission leader, you have been sending your best to the mission field. And we praise God for that. We should send our best. But we have to recognize that the 1040 window, India, Mm -hmm. China, the Middle East, North Africa, the Arab world, Saudi Arabia, all the places we want to send people are now sending their best to us. We have the opportunity to reach the ends of the earth in and through diverse urban cities. Yes, we still need people to go to the unreached, but imagine the unreached getting reached in your city, and then you're sending them as a missionary back to their family, back to their country, back to their sphere of influence. And so I just, I just believe that with urbanization and globalization, we need diverse voices in urban cities reaching the unreached, sending mm. people to the unreached. And I believe that today, God is positioning his church to accomplish his mission. And I believe it, it could even be in our lifetime. Amen. Now, I, I love this um, because when you put this way, we are sending our best and they are sending their best to us. It just makes so... Uh, clear why diaspora is important and why we should pay attention to the migration and immigration and all that that God is allowing. Um, And even displacement, I think God is using that for the glory of his son, Jesus. And that's beautiful. But if listeners want to get in touch, how can they do so? Yeah, I think the best way would be email. You can email me at bud at upgnorthamerica.com. Great. That will also be included in the episode description. Well, and for the last thing, because we talk uh, about heavy topics, uh, I always uh, like to end with a joke, but I don't tell the joke. I ask the listeners to ask our guest to tell us a joke. So listeners are asking you to tell them a joke. Well, I I would love to. So I have uh, a coworker who sent me a birthday card uh-huh. And I'm stealing her joke, so I will know if she actually listens to this. <laughs> but this is what she wrote to me, and she always tries to get me to laugh, and it got me to laugh. What's common with both cake and baseball teams? What? They both need a good batter. Ah, <laughs> nice. Nice. Thank you so much for being on the show. Again, that was Bud Houston, and thank you to all our listeners, we truly could not do this without you. If you learned something, have a topic suggestion, or would like to leave us feedback, drop us a note at oururbanvoices.com. Be sure to subscribe to the show and leave an honest review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tune in in two weeks for more honest discussions from Diverse Voices. You've been listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javed, which presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. 